2: Fantasy freaks and geeks, what is up? This is not James Coe, but the kid from Wisconsin running the show. James Coe, Marcus Grant, and Michael Fabiano all had to big-time us with some TV duties this morning. So that means as we're closing out 2015, we're operating on a skeleton crew, but it also means we get to welcome Matt Harmon, not from West Virginia, and Matt, the franchise Franciscovich, into the podcast studio. How's it going, guys? It's going great. What's uh, up?
3: It's like the... I don't even know. It's like the Are we the B crew now? Does we're the that, We're the B We're the A team, bro. Ah,
2: that's right, A team.
3: Yeah, we're the A team. I, like I mean, that.
2: people joked about me uh, getting the Geno Smith treatment uh, on Fabs when he was sick for Fantasy Live. So maybe you guys are doing that on the podcast now. Maybe this is the beginning of something new and different and exciting.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. Once once everybody realizes this is the best podcast ever recorded for, <laughs> for Fantasy. I'm sure that we'll take over.
2: Yes, it'll awesome. only, be a, I agree. only be a matter of time until the Shadowy League figures are coming down and telling us that we, the three of us have our own podcast instead. But no, we will miss those guys. We'll try to carry on in their stead. But uh, we have a pretty big show today, as always, even though it's week 17, which you shouldn't be playing fantasy in unless it's DFS. But we'll get to that later. We'll recap the Monday night game first off. We'll get to a few top headlines. There's not as much going on in the fantasy world that we need to talk about. We'll hit a few waiver wire options, talk some matchups, and then lastly, since it's kind of a, you know the year's ending uh, Friday night, basically, with New Year's Eve, or Thursday night, I don't know what day it is anymore, we're going to look back on 2015 and uh, talk about what we learned from what was a wild and sort of unconventional fantasy season and spin a little bit of that into 2016 and what we can expect heading into drafts there. But first, as I mentioned, uh, we had the Monday night game. Bengals at Broncos. Harmon, you covered it. Uh, Jeremy Hill... Gio Bernard didn't do a lot on the ground, but A.J. McCarron kind of got enough going through the air for the Bengals to be competitive. He hit A.J. Green on a touchdown. And on the flip side, our boy C.J. Anderson got it done for the Broncos. Ronnie Hillman did not, uh, and the pass catchers did okay. But what were your takeaways from this game?
3: Yeah, well, first off, with the Bengals' backfield, I joked in the recap that I think the Bengals believe just because the weather's cold outside, they need to establish Jeremy Hill. It Nineteen uh, carries to Gio's eight. Yeah, and and Hill was just bad, and he's been been pretty bad all year. And I know that's kind of a crass way of putting it, but it is what it is. He's just not he's not aggressive. He's not hitting holes well, and you could see that last night. And it just made more sense to get Gio Bernard more involved because that's how people have beat the. Um, the Broncos defense in the past, you think about Chuck Kendrick West, how he beat them out of the backfield. Same with D'Angelo Williams, who's more of like a elusive back uh, like Gio Bernard is. I was surprised they didn't go with more Gio, but I think that's just the way they see things right now is that, you know, they want to keep kind of like a steady grinding offense with McCarron back there. So, it was a pretty inefficient day from Hill all around, and and I said too in the recap that something's going to have to change with that backfield um, in order for either of these guys to recoup value uh, next season. Um, so those those two are going to be interesting next year. Yeah. The passing offense was pretty stripped down too with McCarron back there. He started off pretty hot, but could not sustain that. It's kind of that's kind of the book on him coming out of school was like if the game's on script, if there's a good running game, he can he can make throws, but and right. you push him outside of structure it was just it got bad that
2: that first that first highly structured first drive as we always know yeah. those games are pr- those plays are pretty much designed coming into the game he was excellent he looked pretty good on his passes he made a couple nice throws later a couple bad throws but as we were talking about the backfield Jeremy Hill 19 attempts 63 yards he had negative 2 yards on two carries Gio Bernard on the flip side eight rushes for 14 yards four catches for 29 yards out of the backfield and then AJ Green as we mentioned 5 for 57 with a touchdown. That was a pretty nice touchdown catch that he had.
1: Yeah, AJ Green is super talented as we all know and I think there was a point in, like mid-season where we were talking about c- can you even use AJ Green as an every week starter? And he, you know, he was he was not producing he had a couple uh single digit games in a row and he finished the season strong and sort of capped it off last night with icing on the cake with a nice touchdown. Yeah,
2: that's for sure. So where do we how do we assess AJ Green moving into next year? He had five touchdowns in the last five games, four double digit fantasy points. He had the one one catch 37 yard outing in AJ McCarron's first game. Uh but what do you guys what do you guys think for AJ Green moving into next year back in the wide receiver one good graces more in the wide receiver two area?
3: It's tough to say because he did finish the season strong, but it's also probably not a coincidence that Eifert wasn't in the picture for a few of those games, including last night and the week before that. True. Um, so that's that's been the trouble with Green all along this year was that, you know, Andy Dalton made a lot of Im- – I've said this a lot this year, but Andy Dalton's made a lot of improvements, but he's still not the type of, like, 2013 Peyton Manning where he can make, like, four or five guys fantasy relevant on a weekly basis and they have so many talented pass catchers there because Marvin Jones I think Marvin Jones actually might be a free agent so whether he I'm pretty sure that's let me
2: I'll check that right now
3: whether he re-signs or not if he is indeed a free agent that's going to change things as well because it's just there's you know, there's Jones, there's Eifert, and there's Green, and all those guys are talented and they need targets. But, And then they also feed Gio Bernard out of the backfield. So it's almost like there's just too many talented guys on this Bengals offense for Green to be like a 170, 180 target player yep. in a season. But
2: Jones is, Jones is a free agent kay. for for the record. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if Dalton comes back having these improvements, though, if he can take an even another step. But you're right. I think I'd feel better about A.J. Green more in that wide receiver two range. Yeah next year um and we'll get into how the next year's draft is probably going to shape up a little more with what we've seen but on the flip side the broncos brock lobster Bossweiler, whatever you want to call him uh he did all right again he came up when they needed him uh put, kept some drives alive made some nice passes hit his main targets and owen daniels a bunch i think he had seven catches actually in this game but uh what's our takeaway from this backfield too with cj anderson nine rushes 73 yards a touchdown Looked far and away the more explosive, dynamic runner. Ronnie Hillman, on the other hand, nine rushes, 35 yards. Did have four catches for 37 yards out of the backfield, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about the Broncos' backfield anymore. I mean... I, I'm like always ready to cape up for C.J. Anderson anytime he does anything. You
2: did just quite a bit on Twitter last night. Every time he touched the ball, <laughs> you're like, "Oh, look, their best running back." Oh, yeah. Of
3: course, I said. Yeah, of course, I said. You know, the, oh, good things happening when good things keep happening when they give the ball to their best running back, and then he got fumbled, blindsided, Blast. and fumbled. On <laughs> I was like, "Oh, great." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, he's clearly <laughs> the better runner. He's clearly more talented. He's he's so much more adept in the passing game, even though Hillman had more catches last night. He's a better player in the passing game. He pass blocks better. He runs better. I mean, he does everything better than Hillman, but they want to have a committee. They have some kind of weird – and they've had this – the Broncos have had this all along with Ronnie Hillman, that they wanted him to be the guy originally. He fumbled his way out of the job. Then CJ came and took it when Ronnie got injured last year. I don't know, so I don't think that we can really expect that anything's going to change. In fact, I, I kind of would be a little surprised if they were both back there next year. But I don't really, ha- I don't really know what to tell people going forward for next year with Fra- franchise. Any other thoughts on I, this confusing committee?
1: I like Hillman's talent. Like he was, he had some good, good cuts and good juke moves where he was making guys miss, but he just couldn't get it. Like he, he, he wasn't running north south, and that's what C.J. Anderson does. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's just. It, Like, I don't know. I mean, this year, there's no way you could have trusted either of them. If you played Hillman, you hope for, I don't know, 10 touches and, like, 70 yards and maybe a touchdown. And Anderson was – I think he was injured most of the year, to be honest. Yeah, that's the big Um, big problem with
3: Anderson is that he can't – he just seems like he can't stay healthy. It's just been one injury after another. Yeah,
1: so, like, this year they haven't – you know, you you can't trust them. And, I mean, maybe against San Diego it will be a different story. And maybe maybe you start Anderson – and yeah, I, 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 would, I guess
2: I'd feel I'd feel okay starting Anderson next week. Not so much about Hillman, but yeah, you're you're playing with fire because that backfield's gonna be split. Yeah. But speaking of splits, the wide receivers, uh Demarius Thomas had seven catches for fifty nine yards, and Sanders had four for sixty seven with the touchdown. This is an offense where these two used to be able to just feast all the time with a better quarterback in there, but now it they're not quite their ceiling has been lowered a lot with Brock Osweiler in there. Yeah. We don't quite see them racking up the, the catches and yards like they used to. Uh, how do we feel about this? these guys next, this coming week against San Diego? And I guess a little bit extrapolating moving forward if Brock Osweiler or somebody else is under center next year.
3: Yeah, I mean, since I'm not playing any uh, fantasy outside of DFS in Week 17, I don't really care how they do this week, you know, as far as that's concerned. But I am interested to see kind of another data point in how they play with Brock Osweiler because over the last four games – Demarius Thomas has basically been like a possession receiver, which we don't really think of him as. And then Sanders has been kind of the deep threat. Yeah. Um. The last four games, Thomas averages 10.1 yards per catch, and Sanders averages 12.2 or 12.4 yards per catch. So he, Sanders has been going downfield, which has led to some big games and some kind of like feast or famine a little bit there. Yep. But then Thomas has had a few games where he's, you know, like last night he had seven for 59. Yeah. And which is weird. They haven't really been using him on those like, screen passes either. I know he caught one screen pass last night and broke a bunch of tackles. It's like, oh, I remember when they used to do that. Yeah, it. they used that, to yeah, do that all, all the time. The time. be the play for him. Yeah, so it's weird. I don't – and if Brock Oswald is going to be the starter next year, which is no guarantee, it, it's – I don't really know what to – is this going to be how it is again? I don't know.
2: Yeah. Franchise, any other thoughts on these pass catchers?
1: I mean, I guess Manny Sanders has more upside, clearly. Like, that's, that's the takeaway. Like, if you have Damaris Thomas on your team and you need that home run this – this coming week, I would, you know, maybe bench he, him for someone else with more upside because you're going to get, I don't know, 60 yards. Yeah. Maybe in PPR, you get like 12 points out of him, but you can't bank on the touchdowns like he used to be able to. What does he have this year? Like three or four total touchdowns? It's not great.
2: Uh, he has five, and Sanders has six. Sanders has
3: played better this year, too. And you could make an argument that he played better last year, too. As Absolutely. Like, as like a Uh, he's a way better route runner he's a more complete receiver where the thing with thomas is and i noted this a lot last off season when i did his reception perception was that like thomas is really great at like three things but he's not ever going to be the guy who's going to create a ton of separation with his route running um he can still get jammed he's not great this year he did improve with his contested catches like playing balls in traffic but there are still a lot of holes to his game, and like now that he doesn't have like an elite-level quarterback, you've got to wonder if he's going to be as productive as he was in, in
2: past years. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's one of my concerns with him. He doesn't do some of the other things that a lot of those elite wide receivers do. Like you said, the contested catches got better, but working the boundary, running all the routes, gaining that separation on deep things that aren't the more. He's so good after the catch, but um, yeah, I have reservations about him moving forward. But anybody, any other final thoughts on this game before we move into a couple headlines?
1: I just want to say that like from start to finish, it felt like a playoff game, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it was yeah, a good was game fun. all around. Good, yeah. Fun to watch. The atmosphere in that stadium.
3: And especially, too, with two like backup quarterbacks. That's yeah. always fun because you don't really know what you're going to get. And They played well for right. the most part. It's
2: kind of funny. Like ESPN got a, a raw deal with some, some rough Monday night games recently. And in this one, it originally probably like, oh, it's still they had the playoff implications. But, like, yeah, Dalton and Manning like yeah. at the beginning of the season. Instead, of McCarron and Osweiler. But – They played a hell of a game. It was fun to watch. It was a fun game. All right, let's do some news.
3: The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news.
0: We continue to follow breaking news.
3: Watch the news,
0: because I'm a kid. So y'all need to have your kids, have your wife.
2: All right, not a lot of news to report in the fantasy world right now. Uh, Not a ton of injuries that we're watching, and like we said, most of you should not be playing. Apologies if you still are and you're offended by that sentiment. But Beast Mode could return to practice this week for the Seattle Seahawks. Their running game has kind of fallen apart since they lost Thomas Rawls. It was reported that he could practice as of Wednesday. So, guys, if you were hypothetically still playing or in DFS and Beast Mode looks like he's going to get the start on Sunday against the Cardinals, how do you feel about it? Silence.
1: I mean, I guess it depends on <laughs> where he comes in, like what his his value is in DFS, but I if if he starts and you're trying to start him this week, you're banking on a touchdown because that's about all you can hope for.
3: I I wouldn't touch him. I I don't like to play players coming off an injury, especially a long injury absence in their first week back. That's yeah. generally a rule of thumb for me. Um, and yeah, it's not it's not really like a great spot for him either.
2: Maybe if this was a home game, I'd think about it more. Yeah, but on the road against an Arizona D that's playing out of its mind right now.
3: And quite frankly, I don't even think he's going to play. I mean, this would be five and a half weeks he's missed. The original timetable was six weeks. Right. So I I don't really think there's any reason for him to play. I don't, can they even improve their playoff positioning if they? No, I weeks?
2: I don't think they can. So he might not play. One thing to think about, though, to be a good company man is uh, if your fantasy fantasy season is over and you still want to play, you can play playoff challenge on NFL.com. The Seahawks could be a good offense to kind of pick some players from because. Uh, of of all the wild card teams, they're one of the ones that I think people would have the most confidence in advancing deep into the playoffs, maybe the Super Bowl. Uh, and if they got beast mode back in the playoffs, it would be a be a good plus for that offense.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good idea. I would it'd be. I I agree with you though. that As far as like wild card teams go, they would be the one that I would think would move
2: along. Um, so unless franchises Steelers can can eke back into the playoffs, but oh. they have an uphill battle there. Yeah. All right. The other major news—well, not really major—but uh, clipboard Jesus, Charlie, aka Charlie Whitehurst, uh, has been placed on IR. Which means, if you're still playing fantasy or we're looking at the Colts in DFS, there is a very good chance that Stephen Morris, a second-year, I believe, undrafted free agent, right? Correct. Uh, could be starting under center. Who? Yes, Harmon. You, do you? Do you have? You were joking before the podcast. <laughs> do you have a deep uh, analytical uh,
3: assessment of Stephen Morris? Well, Morse was a he's at the University of Miami. Uh he's actually like a pretty physically talented quarterback. He's big,
2: kind of a big guy too, right? He's a bigger
3: guy. He can he's got a good arm. He just has like no sense of touch or accuracy. Like he would he was the type of guy like in college you would see him like cock back and throw a pass and you'd be like, "Wow, that looks good." And then he would be like 15 yards past the wide receiver. So <laughs> It's it's probably not gonna be pretty. He's bounced around. I think he was originally with Jacksonville, then he got signed yeah, to Philadelphia. Yeah. So no, I mean I don't I, I, I don't really think but, there's a lot of reason to be excited. As you it.
2: said, if his passes are sailing fifteen yards past guys past guys you probably want to look elsewhere than ty hilton or dante Moncrief this week yeah hopefully you
3: haven't really even been relying
2: on those guys a lot lately or you're probably right in your week 17 fantasy yeah. championship yep exactly all right and that was about it for uh the big news around the league i think des bryant might get shut down again so if you're still playing and looking so, at him man. i hope to hope so too so they're going to run, like, more tests on his foot and his knee. I'm like, what test?
3: Just what put test? Put him on the bench. Yeah, yeah you yeah. stink. You're not going to the playoffs. Just stop.
2: I think they rushed him back to begin with. I think like they did, yeah, too. Romo
3: Typical, too. like, Dallas hubris. I think they rushed him back because, like, oh, we got a shot to go to the playoffs. No, well, you guys lost, and,
2: like. You know, Dez is a crazy person. Like, when he broke his foot or whatever, he was running, like, He's half walking. naked through the hallway <laughs> yeah. with his teammates yeah, in that yeah. game, and the trainers are, like, corralling him, like, no, Dez, Dez, come back. Please, Please stop. Your foot you is
3: broke. <laughs> You're going to shatter. Sit down.
2: Yeah, yeah, just sit down, man. <laughs> so I'm sure Dez had something to do with that as well. Yeah. Uh, all right, real quick, some waiver wire options. Uh, how do we feel about Cameron Arter's pain now that Fozzie Whitaker's got the high ankle sprain? I mean, you were the one that watched that game this week. Did he look okay? I only He only got, like, what, nine touches?
3: Yeah, that was the weird part was that – he looked pretty good, but the and even like they came out the first drive and gave Fozzie Whitaker the first four carries. Like that first drive, it was pretty much all Fozzie. I think he caught a pass too. So it, it was like, oh man, like all the hope that Cameron Artis Payne was going to be, you know, the guy that didn't seem to be founded. But yeah, he I think Fozzie has like a high ankle sprain or something, but he looked ugly. Yeah. He couldn't even
2: like walk off. They the said field. it was a mild high ankle sprain for Fozzie Whitaker, which should lead to some more touches for Cameron Artis Payne.
3: Yeah. And the, But the thing is, like, uh, last game, that was part of the reason why I think they lost was that they didn't even, like, really try to establish the run. And they kept – like, Atlanta kept sending waves and waves of pressure. Vic Beasley actually had a really good game, and he's had a disappointing rookie year as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. and But they never just – they, like, never tried to – like like establish a, a, a solid running game, but so they might get back to that you know in their last game, and I think this is a home game, so it, it's yeah. definitely worth looking at home, ag- home
2: against Tampa. All right, yeah. so let's two-
3: let's get real, guys. Cam Newton is the Panthers' running. <laughs> He is. Kind of is. (laughs) He's he's not, like – and that's the thing. He's not really even a quarterback. Yeah. He's – and that's – like, well, obviously he's a quarterback. But, like, he's not just a quarterback. He is, like, their offensive machine. He's, like, the engine that makes it all go, which is, you know, why – I love Carson Palmer, and I wouldn't hate if they were co-MVPs, but Cam Newton has to be some sort of MVP because – Like, he had 100 yards rushing against the Giants and
2: 300-yard pass. Jonathan Stewart has 989 yards rushing on the season. Cam Newton is 626. It's insane. And, like, Jonathan Stewart's been great, too. But, yeah, Cam's Cam's going crazy. Uh, Franchise, two running backs from the game you watched last week uh, could still be on the waiver wire. James White. Bilal Powell did Bilal Powell get nicked up in that game or is he he's still he's still all right I don't think he got nicked
1: up but he was Chris Ivory did a yeah lot of it, but
2: Powell was once again the more effective runner in that game wasn't he <laughs> he was and
1: he has been for like four or five weeks in a row now and if you're a Chris Ivory owner I, I was I'm I am a Chris Ivory owner and I had him in a in a championship game last week and I benched him not for Powell but it was because I knew that Powell was you know Powell's the guy now and in especially in, in games where the Jets might be down or it's close, Ivory's not going to get his 20 touches that he
3: needs to produce fantasy points. And so. I know somebody that started Bilal Powell against you in a championship game.
2: Right? <laughs> <You> <laughs> that did. was you, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I actually was in one of those situations where I had Ivory and Powell and I started Powell over Ivory. Yeah. Because I picked up Powell as a handcuff when Ivory was nicked up earlier in the year, and I was like, I feel better starting him. This week they play the Bills. Which I have, I'm having a tough time getting a beat on that game because the Bills have not looked great recently. But this is one of those stupid narrative Rex Ryan revenge yeah. games. Oh my god! So the Bills lost. I think the Bills lost
1: against the Jets earlier. They did the season. So no, the Bills Rex, beat Rex, the Jets. Oh no, they did. You remember because right. oh, there's Bills.
3: all the there's all those Rex Ryan gifs of him screaming a, a profanity and right like. Gyrating all around. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. A, I think that all was a right, bad
2: right, game right. for Ryan Fitzpatrick, if I remember right. It
3: was. It was a Thursday night game too. Oh, it was a color and, rush. And, yeah, wasn't it was color
2: it? rush. They went. It in, was the one where people uh, couldn't yeah. see it because it was, yeah. the jerseys the were way. all green <laughs> and all red. <laughs> <laughs> the colorblind people couldn't tell which team was which. Oh uh, yeah.
3: But uh, as far as Bilal Powell versus Chris Ivory in this game, I do think like pass catching running backs and like kind of slashing sort of running backs have been the guys to go with against the Bills. So you would think that is another Powell game. Yeah. Um. And I mean, the jets could blow the bills out. The bills are a really bad team and they're kind of folding from yeah. the inside, but I do think it'll probably be competitive. Rex will get his guys up. You know, that's like, li- you live by, re- you live by the Rex, you die by the Rex and like, this will be a live by the Rex game where they get all up for this one because they don't have anything else to play for. And right.
2: That. Yeah. Uh, and again, you can check out all these guys at, uh, NFL.com slash waivers. I ended up writing, writing up 15 guys in total, some, uh, wide receivers to look at, uh, Marcus Wheaton, that Pittsburgh passing offense could rebound this week against the Browns. Not a bad look. Uh, Kamar Aiken, let's talk a little bit about him, guys. He's uh, He's been playing some pretty darn good football the last couple weeks and is still owned. His ownership percentage has climbed, thankfully, because uh, we've been writing about him for weeks over here. Um, but he is still available in just shy of 77% of NFL.com leagues. So. Yeah,
1: I, I watched that uh, Raven-Steelers game, unfortunately, on Sunday. <laughs> oh, but Kamar Aiken, you know, he had he led the the wide receivers and targets with eight, and he had eight catches for sixty-six yards, and that's around what he's been doing every week. Um, even with Ryan Mallon at our center who looked like a competent NFL <laughs> quarterback the other day, which as is much dead. as it pains oh, you to say. How is that possible? <laughs> but um I think Kamar Aiken, especially in PPR leagues, like you can't you can't bank on the touchdown but he's going to get the volume and he's going to get you enough yards.
2: Right, he's got a real safe floor. He's yeah. somebody I, I know Harman you mentioned it too, but I've been, I've been curious to watch him in the offseason more and like dive into that tape because I think uh, I think he might be might be a, a sneaky guy for next year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um he's a guy I really want to study this year or this offseason and he's been impressive like and they've asked a lot of him. I think this is probably like he's led the team in targets pretty much since Steve Smith went out yeah Um, yeah. he's he's been kind of the guy they just funneled the offense through and he's responded I mean he's had some solid games I mean he's not blowing up of course um, but it could like we were talking about this in in slack chat yesterday uh, he pretty much could be he might be the number two receiver to and Rashad well he might be the number one and Perryman might start opposite him you know their first round pick who didn't play at all this year yeah so he's definitely a guy they want to be a part of the offense in the future, so yeah. yeah. When Shab was playing too, he had high praise for for yeah.
1: Aiken too. So no, we
3: remember your epic uh, epic <laughs> <soliloquy> <laughs> with the miracle, and the right? Podcast.
1: And actually, I wonder what was your miracle? You wanted yeah. him to it be was like Kamar Aiken would be a top ten
2: fantasy wide receiver the, the last rest of the four way, four weeks or something. Uh, I mean. well, I mean, he hasn't been terrible. He's in the top twenty five. He He's had, just
1: he had that big hail mary touchdown
2: catch, which helped him out right um, weeks ago, but.
3: Another guy that you want to look at too on waivers, in my opinion, if Cecil Shorts sits again, you got to play Washington. Nate Washington. Yep,
2: he was on my list. Yeah,
3: was he? Okay, that's good. I don't read the waiver column. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 uh, Thanks, bro. I'm just kidding. But no, uh, I mean, Washington averages double digit targets when Shorts is out. He's he, caught all of his touchdowns when Shorts four, is out of the lineup, right? too. I think four now, yeah. Yeah, so he's a guy that you want to look at for sure. The Texans' offense is clicking on With Brandon, Brandon
2: Whedon. who i put as kind of a yolo streamer at the end of the article too i was like why not if you're playing in week 17 i might make a dfs lineup with brandon whedon just for if you
3: had a dfs lineup with that was somehow like a super value triple stack with nuke uh washington Washington and whedon Whedon, yeah that was a pretty good one did you call that a super stack super super stack or triple stack you know you can call it either
2: um and then uh, Don Dontrell Don Dontrell Inman, one more wide receiver to look for. Um, yeah, he's been eleven targets, eleven targets. He's he's an athletic guy. He's he's a mm-hmm. dynamic playmaker. He can be, but um, that Chargers offense just, they need to get the ball to somebody, and he's like the top pass fast catching option, not named Danny Woodhead or Antonio Gates now by default.
1: He's kind of like the Kamar Aiken of the Chargers.
2: Now, one more interesting yeah. uh, interesting setup here, and this is something we could spin into our matchups discussion for some DFS picks just week seventeen in general. Sam Bradford has actually been playing decently. He's, he missed some big throws in that last game, but he's been playing better of late. And so has Zach Ertz. And this week, they, they're both lower-owned in NFL.com leagues. And this week, they get to go up against the New York Giants, who, I tweeted this yesterday, if they allow 197 passing yards, they will set a new all-time record for the most passing yards allowed in a single 16-game season. Their secondary has not been great. Yeah. The Eagles passing offense has been clicking. Jordan Matthews has been doing stuff too. I kinda like both these guys this week, uh, in this matchup. What about you guys? Harmon, we'll jump to you first.
3: Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like the offense is kind of sort of finding its footing here towards the end of the year. The
2: passing offense at yeah. least. Yeah. The passing
3: well, yeah, the running offense is a complete a complete dumpster fire. Um that's what happens when you try to split your committee three ways. Um, but anyways, sorry, uh, personal <laughs> pet peeve of mine, but, uh, no, it's okay. the, uh, Sam Bradford has looked pretty good. Zach Ertz has led the team in targets. I think pretty much the last four weeks. He, yeah. He got 17 last week, caught 12 passes. I think you can pretty, I think you can start him. Um, and yeah, the giants have been pretty terrible against tight ends. I think they allow the higher, one of the highest touchdown rates. And I think they've allowed over a thousand yards like three weeks ago to tight ends. So. Yeah, let's take a look. Definitely here. a team that you can exploit with that position, yeah. and which makes sense because they've they're weak at safety, um, and they've always had kind of like a fetish for slow footed linebackers that can't cover. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, along the same lines, there that I kind of like Jordan Matthews this week because their weakest corner is the slot corner. They had. Uh, Trevin Wade was, I think, their slot corner, um, and he might still be playing in that position. But they've kind of cycled guys in and out where they're pretty strong on the outside. So I think that could mean Matthews gets open a lot. And, again, he'll run some of his routes against those slow-footed linebackers and the safeties. So if you need – and he's had 100 yards back-to-back games. Back-to-back games and touchdowns. Yes, that is true. Four four touchdowns in the last five games. And it's funny that we kind of like – Jordan Matthews. We're all pretty disappointed in Jordan Matthews. provided he at least has like a, a decent game this week he's probably going to cross a thousand yards. Yeah. I think Matthews could Crazy. be like an interesting draft bargain next year, um especially if like I think Chip Kelly like just got kind of obsessed with pigeonholing Matthews in this role, like that's like slot re- big slot receiver role and it it was kind of hurt It kind of hurt his stock for a while because he wasn't getting, like, any downfield targets. But he can at least make some plays downfield. And I think he's starting to catch on. And one thing about Matthew is, is, like, sometimes he plays a little – a little passive like he doesn't play up to his size but mm-hmm. one thing like I've noticed the last couple weeks watching them is like he's starting to like every time he makes a catch he gets up and like gets into it and you, you like to see that from a big guy like being competitive like that and, and you seen yeah. to make more catches in traffic it, as a result it
2: almost seemed like earlier in the year it got into his head like he had his, oh, totally. he had the drops and stuff that he wasn't playing as aggressively and attacking the ball and being as physical afterwards because he had the drops and like a couple fumbles I think in the first few weeks so it has been good and I think you're right like Next year, maybe look target Matthews in like those mid to late rounds like that because his value is certainly going to be depressed in season-long drafts after people got burned taking him in, what, the fourth round this year or however highly he was drafted? Yeah, pretty highly. So you can keep an eye on him as he falls probably a couple rounds lower than that and maybe catch him uh, ready for – because he's entering his, what, third year, right? And that used to be the old old wide receiver breakout year, although guys have been on a, a quicker learning curve these days. Um, but all right, let's we'll spiral that one into a matchups discussion. What else do we like this week? One I had circled, uh, and this is kind of a kind of narrative, kind of not, but Julio Jones is uh, 16 receptions shy of tying Marvin Harrison's record for a single season of 143. Something tells me that the Falcons are going to try and get him there. I mean, he already gets funneled targets like nobody's business in that offense, but he's also playing – oh, God, I already forgot who he's playing. It's the Saints, who do not have a great passing defense. What do you guys think about Julio this week and uh, in DFS, especially where his value is probably going to be pretty high? He's going to explode. Harmon?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely like that. Uh, if Actually, all of um, Brown, uh, Nuke, Julio, and I think Odell, too, those guys all have – Good matchups, they do. So it's going to be tough, cu- tough decisions at the top there. But I like Julio a lot, and he'll definitely be super popular in DFS. Though he will probably—I would guess—just shooting off the cuff here—that he probably ends up with the highest ownership percentage just because of good like, chance.
2: Like, and he had a big game last week too. He had yeah. a big
3: game last week, and you know everybody's talking about it because they beat the Panthers and and their matchup with the Saints will dictate that a lot of mm-hmm. people will go to him.
2: Uh, and speaking of Brown, the Steelers, the entire passing attack could hopefully have a bounce back game against the Cleveland secondary that has not been great this year. Joe Hayden. Is Joe Hayden on IR now? Yeah, yeah he's I on IR. He he's been on uh their first round pick, Justin Gilbert from last year. It's usually a healthy scratch. I don't think he's injured anymore. <laughs> he's so, bad. The secondary is kind of a mess right now. Um what do we think about the Steelers passing attack? Is is uh, Martavis Bryant ever going to do anything again this year? I don't know. They
1: need to get him involved again to to win though because they haven't he hasn't been in as involved the last couple weeks
3: and has it has it looked like to you franchise that they've almost kind of had Martavis Bryant and Marcus Wheaton like switch roles like in a way like Wheaton's been running a lot of like downfield routes and Martavis has had um like he's been almost used like a possession receiver, and they've used him on a lot of end arounds. Yeah, rushing stuff like a gadget type guy. It seems it seems odd to me. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like, am I crazy thinking that, or or, or what? I don't want to say. I don't know. I'm not saying I, that Wheaton's better than Bryant. No, like, no, no. But yeah, I mean
1: Wheaton's Wheaton's been getting more looks and. Been having better fantasy games the last month, five weeks than Bryant has, and there was a point in the like midseason where it was just like it was only a matter of time until Big Ben took a deep shot to Bryant for like an eighty-yard touchdown. Yeah, they were taking those routinely. Yeah, it was it was happening all the time, and I don't know, I haven't seen that happen in a couple weeks, and Bryant's fantasy numbers have suffered because of it. Of course, Antonio Brown is is keeping up his you know his pace of however eight or nine catches and 80, 90 yards a game. He had a kind of a down game last week, but so did everyone on the Steelers except D'Angelo Williams. Um, but, I mean, I might start – if I had Wheaton and Bryant on my fantasy team, I might go with Wheaton over Bryant this week. Oh, my God. Oh, that's crazy.
3: Yeah, this is this is, – I'm just looking it up now um, from pro, pro, pro football-focused fantasy. Um, Marcus Wheaton has a 15.1 average depth of target since week 13. Martavis Bryant, 9.8. Oh, my God. That's so weird. Yeah, I don't that's know what, bizarre. They're, they're like
1: moving away from what they've had success with.
2: Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, that's bizarre. Wow, and I would I would need to look at that more deeply and watch the tape. But that's insane. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, that makes me sad about Martavis Bryant. Uh, good thing my I lost in the championship in the league. I have him in one <laughs> the of, the, of them. I the did, other. I the, did win in the other one. The
1: other thing in that game is D'Angelo Williams will be a beast. Yes. Yes. As usual. As Always.
2: usual. Uh, Another matchup I had circled, Jets-Bills. Mostly for the Jets because uh, the Bills, their running backs, both had good games last week, but are running into a Jets front that has been playing outstanding football, uh, which also makes me a little bit worried about Tyrod Taylor. Darrell Rivas has been healthy, so he could lock down on Sammy Watkins, who I'd be interested, Harmon, while you're on that, what Sammy Watkins' average depth of target has been at least for the last, like, four or five weeks or so. I mean, maybe in general. It feels like they're not using him on a lot of, Intermediate routes, and it's mostly just deep shots, which feels like a disservice. But, anyways, you would be
3: correct. His average depth of target for the last four weeks is 20.9. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> very, oh my God. God. wow. Very far down there. And he's had, what are, how many targets has he had the last
2: four weeks? He's had quite a few, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much been uh, dominating the target share last week or this past game he had 35.3 percent of the targets but his only is that that's that was only six targets if they're kind of right. like a chiefs passing offense jerry macklin's been the same way he owns like a ridiculous share of the targets but it's only a few of them the difference is that macklin is being used in those short to intermediate areas sammy's been basically just like almost like what you'd think of a martavis bryant like a deep threat sort of guy right
2: I mean, he had 10 and 12 in the two weeks before that, hauled in five catches in each game, and then had four against Houston, but had three for 109. So, but to his
3: credit, he's converting them. I mean, he only has a 54% catch rate because they're using him so far down the field, but he's caught 15 passes for
2: 276 yards and three touchdowns in yeah, it's the been, last three weeks. He's done he's done quite well, but it just feels weird like why wouldn't you run him <laughs> on some other routes? Well, I mean, I think the one thing with him
3: is like he shows and I think this tricks people when you just like when you just sit down and watch I'm not going I'm going I'm going to try not to rant on this, so please hit
2: me if I'll I start I'll again. cut you off if gets um, too long.
3: So, I think when you just, like, sit down to watch tape and you, like, if you see flashes of something, you start to, like, you really, your brain uh, has, like, a visceral reaction and, you, and you, you overemphasize it because and you, like, extrapolate it to be, like, this is what the player does. And that's the thing with Watkins. Like, he shows, like, literally elite route running potential, but he only shows it on, like, five to six routes a game. So yeah. I think people think that he can run a whole route tree. But one thing that was definitely true last year, and even going back to his uh, college tape at Clemson, was he just wasn't asked to do that all the time. Uh, so he's still learning, and I think that's probably part. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like some of uh, Rex Ryan, you know, Bill's offense. Greg Roman, and yeah. Greg Roman, all that. Um, but also I think some of it has to do with him too.
2: Yeah, that's, an, that's, that's a fair point. Um, but so on the flip side, Decker, Marshall, great starts. We already talked about Palau. Palau. Powell. Wow. Palau. Palau. Palau- Powell. Powell. Talked about him a little bit. Uh Magic too. I don't I don't mind him this week. No way. Uh, he's awesome. He's yeah, been great. I, Bill's I mean Bill's defense has been a pretty big disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Any other matchups or things you guys wanted to talk about for this week? I did mention it might be worthwhile to follow the news surrounding the Patriots. They have the first round box. I think they have the one seed locked up now too. I was I was messing around on the playoff predictor. I don't think there's any way they can lose it. I forget if I've seen that in print based on the Bengals losing uh, on Monday night, so there is a chance with that team being so banged up that they might uh, take pull those guys out a little bit to save them up and get get extra healthy. So, it could be something to watch there.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I would I would look for if you're playing in week, and I, I haven't really even begun research, but if you're playing in week 17, if you're playing DFS, look at some of these like bad teams going against each other. Like, um,
2: I mean, Saints Atlanta is kind of one I was circling there. Saints we mentioned Atlanta, a little bit
3: uh Jacksonville and Houston. I mean Houston is going to the playoffs probably, but they they still don't have it like locked up. I no. think they have to they have to win
2: and Indy has to lose
3: for them to get in.
2: No, there's uh wait, for Houston? Yeah. No, Houston's pretty much fine because uh, they're as all long as but they win, in. Right? As long as they win for sure. Um, but otherwise, like ten things, like I think nine things, right. still have to happen for the Colts to make the playoffs. So. Okay,
3: yeah, right. I remember Dan Hans has posted that article yeah. yesterday. Okay, um, yeah. So, but but still, the Texans have to win. They have to at least you know try. And I think and Jacksonville, you know, we know how they are. They're a good offense, a bad defense. So, games like that, I wouldn't probably say the same for. Uh, St. Louis and and San Francisco. That would. Be uh, I
1: was just gonna bring that game up. I was gonna say, <laughs> how about the Rams and the Forty ers guys? Huh? Maybe maybe some girly.
3: Probably. Uh, girly. Oh,
1: definitely girly, Yeah, but Probably. that was uh, the Rams are also.
3: Tavon Austin week again. It could be he, he was quiet last week. I mean, he's up and down. So. I wouldn't. I would only ever like play him at home. Yeah. I, I actually kind of want to look at his home road splits and
2: see if there's anything to that because you know fast track dome. Fast track. Yeah. Yeah. For sure um other games maybe lions bears i don't know what to make of that game yeah. uh because i don't know like calvin johnson finally got back on track but i was hearing rumors i forget if it was on the atn podcast which you guys should also download from itunes and stitcher or uh it was somewhere else but because calvin's got a massive cap number oh, next yeah. year so you wonder if they're gonna you know ride him out here and feed him a bunch of targets or not to try and depress his numbers for negotiating tactics like i i have no idea
3: yeah, I was talking about that in the opportunity report, too. Like, I
2: wonder, That might have been where I read it, too.
3: I wonder if he gets a bunch of targets just for the fact that maybe they want to showcase him in a trade. That, too. Um, which, I don't know if teams actually really do that, if they actually put a lot of thought into that sort of stuff, but it would be kind of an interesting idea, because, like you said, his cap number's massive. They're probably headed towards another rebuild, and I think that I would be kind of surprised. I, in my head, like, a rational part of me thinks that he won't be back next year, but... He's been a big player for them, so who knows? I mean, he yeah. he
2: really is, like, the face of that franchise, though. Yeah. But he's, like, I hate to say this, but, like, he's definitely not. He's not the same.
3: He's not the same. He also hasn't been healthy. Yeah. He's been running on a bum ankle for weeks. Yeah. the And the thing with, like, older receivers, like, if they can't. If they can't become like slot receiver possession guys, like they fall off a cliff quick. Yeah. Um. Brandon Marshall's kind of made that transition as he's aged, and he's only like I think he's Calvin
2: are about the same age though. He should I think he's a little younger maybe, um, by a year or so. But I'll look that up quick.
3: But yeah, like Calvin is still running all the same routes that he did when he was younger, but he can't like go up and get the football. He can't separate like he used to because of all the injuries too, like you mentioned. So he disappeared like. Not this last week, but the two weeks. Wow, prior actually,
2: Brandon Marshall is a year older than Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I figure right. Calvin's only like thirty. He's he's th- yeah. yeah he's thirty. He'll but, turn thirty one next September.
3: Yeah, but when he you start to lose some of those like physical, ge- like I always think of because I am from DC. I always think about like Santana Moss and how he oh used to, yeah he used to be like a, an elite like deep threat speed guy, but then like when he turned about thirty three. He turned into kind of like a Wes Welker like slot receiver sort of thing, and it extended did, his career. Yeah, he
2: did well with that for a couple of years there.
3: So that was, that's like the thing. If Calvin's going to be a good player going forward, uh, he needs to kind of. He's, he's just been so bad in that role. He needs to kind of transform his game
2: a little. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he could though, with his with his yeah. body and his skill right.
3: set. Yeah, he's still a huge
1: red zone threat, and you know.
2: Uh, we've seen Larry Fitzgerald do very well in a role yeah, more like Fitzgerald that in is Arizona a, is right another now.
3: Another great yeah. example. True.
2: All right, so that's pretty good for the matchups. If you guys have more specific questions, again, you can find us on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, at Matt Franchise, and at AlexGelhar. We'll also post our weekly matchups column on Thursday, I believe. We'll try and get that out on New Year's Eve, with probably a little bit more of an eye towards DFS than we usually do since, again, playing in Week 17 is crazy. All right, now, uh, as I said, New Year's Eve is Thursday night. The 2015 year is coming to a close, and for the most part, the fantasy season is done. And it has been a weird, weird season. Uh, Most of the first round draft picks uh, were either huge busts, looking at you, Eddie Lacy, or suffered huge injuries. Uh, (laughs) Lots of uh, wide receivers changed. We had some breakouts. Uh, The quarterback landscape was a little different than we looked at. Uh, So basically, we're going to sit here and talk about for a few minutes to wrap up the pod before Daily Daps. Some of the things we learned, what we took away from this weird season and how we're going to use that in our research you know, going forward to plan and help all of you guys chase another title or come for your first title in 2016. So, uh, Harmon, I know you had a rant you were thinking of, and Franchise will, will give you a sec to think about what you want to talk about first. But, Harmon, why don't you take the floor with your, uh, your running back rant that you were going on a little bit yesterday in our uh, Slack client chat.
3: Yeah, I was homesick yesterday and was just assaulting you guys in Slack. Like, I, I just thought about this. Listen to me. But, um... <laughs> which is pretty much what I do all day on Twitter. Um, so I think we, like, really obsess about matchups too much in fantasy football, and especially at the running back position. Um, we we definitely – you know, we, we start targeting these teams, like the Chargers this year, the Browns this year were teams that we consistently targeted. Um, however – Sometimes I think if a running back has a bad matchup, we get too scared off, especially if it's, like, not an elite-level player. Like, if Adrian Peterson has a bad matchup, he's still playing. We get that. But, like, I think there are better indicators indicators to running back success. And uh, I, I've talked about it with D'Angelo Williams a lot this year, that, like, volume and um, his overall, like, role in that offense was a better indicator than like if he had a bad matchup we saw it like against the ravens you know the steelers theoretically were going to attack through the air but williams had 150 total yards i think and probably i think more than that six catches and two touchdowns so and i think i learned the lesson the hard way with uh tim hightower yesterday um and i'm like i am am literally ranting right now i'm not getting my point it's fine Um, you'll get there like Uh, Dave Feldman, our social media guy, came over and talked to us on Sunday, and he asked us, Kristen Michael or Tim Hightower. And I said Kristen Michael because, well, for one, because I was just obsessed with the upside. And the matchup against the Rams, that was my big thing there. I was like, it's a better matchup against the Rams. Jaguars allow 3.5 yards per carry coming into Week 16. But in my head, like, this thing that I've been thinking all along was that Hightower was the better play because, A, his team was – projected to win by pretty much anybody out there. Like, if as long as Drew Brees was playing, they were at home, they were going to win. Yeah. Like, a, a team that's going to win, most likely, and they're at home, that's a huge correlation to running back success. And, like, we knew Hightower was going to get the volume. Like, we heard on Sunday they were going to bench C.J. Spiller. He was going to be a healthy scratch. Or, well, they said he's not healthy, but whatever. We know that he is. <laughs> they just didn't want to play him. Thanks, Saints. So, like – if you have a running back like a Tim Hightower, who's you know not an all-star player, but he's also f- like he's fresh and he's playing pretty well lately, um, and they're going to get a ton of volume, and they're in like a favorable spot. Not necessarily the matchup, like I said, the Jags have a tough run defense, but but they all but we knew the game was going to flow like be a positive game script for running backs if the Saints got a lead, which they did, and they were at home. I think like those three things are far better indicators to running back success so, than a matchup. Game script. So game script being and, at home. Game script and volume are just so much more are so much more favorable. And we even like I learned that lesson the hard way with Tim Hightower three weeks ago against the Bucks, where they had where it was a bad matchup again. The Bucks have like had a top five uh, f- football outsiders DVOA run defense pretty much the whole year. Um, but Hightower got 27 carries. Yeah, he scored a touchdown and had 90 yards. So again, that's like the same thing. If the team like the and the Bucks and Saints are probably like equal level teams, but again, like game script and volume, like those should be the things that we look. Those should be the box that we check off first when we're talking about running backs and matchup. Should be, like, and I know we all, like, everybody's got a great, like, you know, some sort of system to, to determine matchups, whether it's fantasy points against or, you
2: know, whatever your system Efficiency, is. Efficiency, yards per
3: carry, whatever, yeah, yeah. exactly, but I just think that we should look at those two things, like, especially in DFS, one week sort of situation, those should be the things we look at first, and like I said, I have I learned that with, with D'Angelo Williams, Devonta Freeman, Sharkandrick West, and then I just... Threw I it all out the window. Screwed the pooch I mean, again with Tim Hightower this week. Was- I still started him in a championship game, but I felt I felt bad that I had advised people to sit him pretty much all over the place. There,
2: all. there are certainly cases for and against that. Like Devonta Freeman was one of the ones we should have picked up on that earlier when he was getting all of the volume and was in pretty favorable game scripts early on during his his torrid pace, where he scored what was it nine. Ten touchdowns in like five weeks. Yeah, I mean, outside the matchups, they were all they were all good spots for him to perform well, and he did he did perform well with a massive amount of volume. On the flip side, there's situations like the Melvin Gordon case. Granted, he wasn't playing as good a football as some of these other guys, but like he had vo- he had good volume in positive spots for that offense, but just
3: pfft. yeah. But did San Diego like ever have a good game script? You know, like that's the team yeah. like you can't really trust a, a a bad
2: football team like right
3: that, that has bad. Th- there th- are, there the are certainly yeah. And their yeah, their offensive
2: line especially, that's the big. Thing. And I mean, there were cases too where with even that Jags offense where like TJ Yeldon had positive game strips going his way but like, he just didn't get the touchdown. So For sure.
3: Well, the Jags are weird like they I think Blake Bortles like recently has like a ridiculous amount of red zone attempts. Like they just keep chucking it or gave it to Denard Robinson. Or, yeah, that that one Titans game was painful. And that's a funny thing too that like again, coming back to this lesson, like I this lesson that I learned like with <laughs> with with Denard Robinson, I kept saying like, yeah, Denard Robinson better play than Tim Hightower this week. But what in like what in my mind in all of our minds like made Denard Robinson such a good play when TJ Yeldon was not getting those like red zone touches or getting you know, getting in the favorable spots. Right. Just because I don't know. It seems like sometimes I know that I get obsessed with like a a talented guy that's coming into a favorable spot and like overrate him more than even the starter.
2: Yeah. A sleeper.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Secret sleeper. <laughs> All right, good good rant. It'll definitely be something I was that was something I wanted to look at too. It's kind of like and with those matchups, what guys work like if we were just looking at a matchup base, what guys consistently beat it too and whether it was volume or their own talent or offense and stuff yeah, like that.
1: And along I, I don't want to use the Giants backfield as an example, but in week 15 Against the Panthers, Rashad Jennings had 16 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown, and Shane Vereen scored in that game too, and mm-hmm. nobody probably started the Giants running, running backs that game, but it was a 38-35 game, and, you know, that, that was a horrible matchup on paper, and both those dudes came
3: through. So,
2: Yeah, there were other indicators that could have pointed towards somebody having success Ooh. in that game
3: yeah that's the tough like that's just the thing with running backs like it's just it's just more about feeding them and getting into getting them into a rhythm like yeah. more than what the yards per carry allowed is or fantasy points against you know i think it's just yeah I think it's just something we definitely have to look at going
2: forward yeah uh franchise, what have you learned if anything from this year? The big thing
1: I learned this year, and this is the first season that I drafted this way, but in Pretty much all my leagues, I went wide receivers for the first, like, four or five rounds. And when everyone's obsessed with getting that feature running back because there's only, like, five of them left in the league or whatever, the Adrian Petersons and whatnot. One of them was Eddie Lacy. One of them was Eddie Lacy. Uh, Yeah, like, all those. The number of first-round guys that busted or got hurt, like Lev Bell and Jamal Charles. Like, all these wide receivers that you could scoop up in the first four rounds, like... Well, Des Bryant and Calvin Johnson were busts, but you got Julio Jones, you got uh, Antonio Bryant, guys like that, and then I, I think I scooped like, I don't know, Jordan Matthews is a bad example, um, Jeremy Macklin had a decent year, Odell Beckham was a, a, a first or second round pick, but you can scoop these guys while everyone's obsessed with getting those running backs who are just going to either get injured or get their job taken by someone else behind them at some point in the season. And you can scoop other running backs later in the draft. Like I got Doug Martin, I think, in the sixth round. Chris Ivory was lasting till the eighth or ninth round. And both of those dudes helped me get at least to the fantasy playoffs with the talent I had at wide receiver that I got early while everyone else was getting these guys who ended up getting injured and they couldn't use later in the year. And I think going forward, especially the way this year played out, uh, Wide receivers are going to be the the big thing in the first round next yeah. year.
2: Uh, that was something that was funny. There was a lot of discussion, and you know the traditionalists and fantasy football purists. A lot of people were pushing Gronk into the first round. A lot of people were pushing Brown, Antonio Brown, higher up in the first round, Julio and stuff. And some of the football purists, you know, didn't want to do that. They wanted to get their running back in the first round and stuff. But I think I think you're right. I think zero zero RB has become kind of a more po- you know hipper trend the last couple years, and it, it certainly has its faults, but it can work out. But I think, you know, Worked one of the me, man. one of the adages is you, you know, you can't win your f- league in the first round, but you can lose it sort of thing. Uh or maybe I have that backwards. I don't remember. It's early.
3: You can't win your league in the first round, but you in your with your first pick, but you can, you lose, can lose it. it which yeah. is BS.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of silly. But I think what a lot of people might be shifting towards is trying to get players that have a bit of a safer production because running back is so I mean, not to say wide receiver is volatile, but running back is crazy. Guys like Antonio Brown and Gronk will probably be Bigger staples of the first round this year than in years past. I would have to agree with that. And maybe Julio Jones too.
1: Exactly. So- and like, if you're going wide receiver, the first four or five rounds, you can get number one wide receivers on several different teams, and you're scooping up all the all that talent while other people, you know, you're you're keeping those guys from the rest of your league mates, and you're getting them all on your team. Especially like if you're in a deeper PPR league where you might play with a couple flexes, like. And and then even later, like, getting a guy like Amari Cooper or this year, Allen Robinson, who's not going to last very long next year. No, oh. <laughs> You know, like, guys like that, scoop them up. Scoop them up in the first
3: couple rounds and then find your running backs later. So that's my, that's my, what I learned. My question to you is, and, and in general, like, you mentioned zero running back is becoming more hipper, and I definitely think more people will try to do it as the running back position was such a dumpster fire this year. Yeah, Is that going to create, like – Favorable situations to people that are targeting running backs early, like because the whole idea behind zero running or er, zero running back and you know do the opposite or upside down drafting, as other people have called it, um, it was that you were zigging when other people were zagging. Right. So now is it going to be kind of the other way where you want to zag when other people zig and like you go running back heavy, you end up plucking off all these values, that sort of thing, because that could create an interesting situation too by just being. Like that's what made, like I said, that's what made zero running back so popular was you were being the contrarian,
2: you were getting these wide right. receiver values. Yeah. Now it might start to shift the other way. Which I mean, that's that's a fair point, but like let's let's talk about this for a second. Which running backs do you actually feel comfortable a- about taking in the first round next year? First round, I mean David Johnson. <laughs> no,
1: I don't know though because like look like look what happened to Jeremy Hill and TJ Anderson, and they were rookies last year, and
2: Anderson wasn't a rookie last year, right? No, he wasn't Maybe a rookie, he but he was the
1: second year. Was, he was yeah, a second was year player. It was his first, first shot. Yeah, and I feel like people will jump for guys like David Johnson, but when a guy's not proven like that, like like a guy like Adrian Peterson or Lev Bell, who've done it for years and you know several years in a row, I think people fall into that trap of getting the guy who was hot last year and like, oh, he's gonna explode this Man, year. But that upside
3: with David yeah. Johnson is
2: so huge. Like yeah, if if yeah. Chris
3: Johnson doesn't come back to that team.
2: I feel like, a lot better about it. He'll him. be
3: he'll be like a twenty touch guy a game again. I mean, like, and I get it. I get the hesitation with, um, but I, I I like to be the type of fantasy player that I don't like to let like draft busts of the of the past. Right. Like, yeah, Don't operate me. Don't operate fear. in fear. Yeah. Right. Be, like, and there are reasons that Hill busted because just not because like he wasn't proven. Well, I guess, it kind of, like, that one kind of is a good example because he just stunk this year. Like, yeah. he was just played bad. He just looked like a different running back. Yeah. yeah, which is, like, that's hard to predict. But, like, with CJ, and again, here, I'm I'm caping up for CJ again. But, like, <laughs> like he got injured. It start like, it just from the start. I mean, in training camp and all that, he was the guy in preseason. He was the guy. And then he got hurt, and it just threw everything off course. And certainly that can happen to David Johnson, but that could happen to any running back. Right. Right. I mean, it might be a little crazy to say he's a first-round pick, but, like, I mean this this last stretch has sold me. I mean he's he's been incredible, yeah. And I mean I like I liked him coming into this year. I held him in in like two leagues, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. In in that offense too. I mean, that's the big thing. Denver's offense fell apart. Uh Cincinnati's offense became less run heavy, like This it- this is a is one of the best offenses in the league and I think that Carson Palmer and all those guys they're gonna pr- Floyd is the only one that might not be back next year, but either way, it's still gonna be one of the league's best offenses, and having the running back attached to that is it's pretty tempting. I don't know. But but uh, other guys but, too. But yeah, yeah. Le'Veon Bell is I think will still go in the first round. with the yeah. injury yeah. Yeah. Girly,
2: a- Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson
3: Adrian Peterson will go in the first round well, until he's you th- dead. You think Devonta Freeman is a first
2: round guy? I wouldn't no.
3: I wouldn't touch him. Not I, a chance. Like,
2: no. Not for me. Yeah, I mean that's
3: Again, we just talked about volume. Like that's really what's been keeping him afloat
2: lately. Was and that's the volume. That's a huge question, Mark. Is I mean, Tevin Coleman has not looked as good, but this regime invested what, a third round pick in him last year, so they might try to get him more involved. Freeman's uh gonna be entering is Freeman entering a contract year next year? I think so. I think so. I think or no. This is this was only his second year, right? Yeah. yeah. This was his second year, so he'll be he's one away from a contract year. But, uh, I mean, other guys like Matt Forte is probably going to be on a new team. Uh, Aaron Foster is coming back from yet another injury.
1: Yeah, he's getting up there in age, too.
2: Doug Martin, depending on his situation. He's a free agent, too. He might go to another he team. He might go to another team. But Lamar Miller is going to be a free agent. I mean, if we look at, like, on the season, the top running backs goes Freeman, Peterson, D'Angelo Williams, Doug Martin, Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller, David Johnson, Chris Ivory. What does that put me at? Eight. Latavius Murray, Danny Woodhead. Yep. Are your top 10 scorers? <laughs>
3: That's so gross. Um, but I mean,
2: guys that got injured Mark Ingram got injured and is on IR. We already mentioned. Well, Lev Bell. Um, you could basically just small say, Charles. Angela
3: Williams is Le'Veon Bell. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, the Sh- the Sean McCoy might be like a late first rounder. I'd uh, be shocked
3: if people go that far. I, mean, I he, couldn't He do was it. getting hurt every which way this year.
2: Yeah, um, I and mean, he's in there. Jamal Charles would be solid. Jamal ridiculous. Charles would be the only other one I might scoop. I might scoop for in the uh, the first round, but he's coming off another big injury, so I might feel better about waiting a little bit on him. Isn't it but
3: interesting that the Chiefs kind of like got better when Jamal Charles? It's insane.
2: Went it's insane. I like
3: sometimes I wonder if uh, I don't know. No, because that kind of goes against my theory of just never mind. I'll take this, it back. The
1: same. Take
2: thing,
3: it back. <laughs>
1: same thing kind of happened with the Seahawks when Lynch
2: went out. They
3: cha- kind of changed their offense and. Yeah, they got a healthier, more explosive
2: runner in there, so. Yeah, if Thomas Rawls
3: hadn't gotten hurt and. And uh, he had kept on a torrid pace. Because I don't think Lynch is going to be back there next year. No. He would have
2: been a guy that people were thinking about in the first round, too. He'll, he'll mean, be Alls a guy. Is a Alls is a old. sick
3: dynasty guy to just have
1: stashed.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm so mad I let him go in our league. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I had him in the preseason, and I was like, this is going to be great. And then like when they didn't, they kept everybody else, I was like, ah, I need some room on the roster. I should have held on to him. That was my mistake. And
3: there All will right. probably be some rookies, too. Like A rookie won't be a first-round pick, but just when you're talking about people that, um, that go through – you know, they come through the draft and 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 end up in pretty good spots. Ezekiel Elliott is already declared from the draft. Ohio State running back. Right. He's going to be. A, he's probably going to be pushed for a first round pick. Uh, there are some other rookies that that could come and. Make
2: is uh? Do we know if like Chubbs coming yet or is he too? I young? don't know. He had that. He had the injury, injury, right? I don't think. Uh, he's out and, after that. and Henry should be coming in, and Henry will uh, come in. McCaffrey's going to be interesting, depending on where he lands. He's I mean, he wouldn't a, be. He's not. A,
3: he's an underclassman. Oh, he's an
2: underclassman. <laughs> You're right. You're right All right. Well, anyways, that's uh, for a different podcast. Once everybody declares, but let's uh, daily Dap and get out of here. Extra, extra, read
3: all about it. This is the daps and hugs. Give me daps, cause I be scribbling right. Give me dapping up, daps about
2: daps <laughs> All right, it's daily daps time. The segment where we give daps, not exactly on a daily basis, but to things in pop culture, the world society whatever you want to call it that uh we have liked this week so who wants to go first who's got one i got one all All right right. franchise hit it up
1: the holiday season a lot of people travel i just want to give daps to all the people that work in the travel industry you know uh hey man that was my dap from like a week ago was it yeah (laughs) Uh, i guess i didn't listen to that but i'm gonna reiterate no it's still a good one i'm sure a lot of people had uh family and close friends traveling and just making sure everyone gets through everywhere safely and on time and all that stuff. It's very important. So daps to everyone that works.
2: Definitely. And travel this time of year, especially. It's a good, good one to dap. Harmon, what are you dapping this, this week?
3: Yeah, I'm dapping a good friend of mine who's going to be in town today, actually, after I do this podcast and go to the, the, because this is my day off, uh, where I'm wearing the headband in case anybody wanted to know. Um, (laughs) So after this, I'm going to go go work out and then meet up with a friend of mine who's in the LA area today. His name is Sal Stefanali. He was one of the first people that ever gave me a shot as a writer. Um, When I first started back in the fall of 2013, he Found me on Twitter, like some of my work, and when he started kind of a, a small-time site, he he gave me a shot and really was one of the first people that ever like shared my work and encouraged me. He's not in the game anymore. Um, he or I think he's coming. He might be coming back, which is great. If you should follow him on Twitter at two qbffb great mentor to me and one of the reasons that I'm here today. So I'm gonna give him my daily dap. I'm really looking forward to actually meeting him in person for the first time. Today. Nice, cool.
2: Um, all right, I'm going to give a daily dap to Tom. Matt Saranis, he is the senior editor for SI Now. Uh, he's a good follow on Twitter, but he, uh, like a week or so ago, right before Christmas had posted just a, a Twitter image. I'm, I'm terrible at finding new music. I mean, you guys know what I listen to on Spotify sometimes is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Hoobastank! Uh, I, I don't listen to them on Spotify. <laughs> I, do own, all I do own three Hoobastank albums uh, and I did buy them of Sound Mind and Able Body when I was younger and have not gotten rid of them. That's
3: Burn them. That's for a different podcast. Burn them.
2: Anyways, (laughs) uh, Tom had posted uh, his top 50 albums of the year, and it's got some some different things I haven't listened to yet. So there were a couple that I listened to yesterday on Spotify. Uh, The album Joy Departed from Sorority Noise was a pretty good listen. It was in his top five. And then uh, let's see, which one was it? It was uh, The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die had the album Harmlessness. So those were two good ones that I listened to. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at Mance, M-A-N-T-Z. And you can scroll back through his timeline to find that list. But it's a pretty solid list. And uh, as somebody who has trouble finding music, aside from things that franchise or others tell me, uh, it was a good place for me to start trying to find some new people to listen to in 2016. So, daily dap to Tom Manzaranis. Apologize if I butchered your name on the podcast. But... That should do it for us here on the Fantasy Live podcast. Interesting one with just the youngsters here. But uh, for Alex Gellhart, Pat Harmon, and Matt Franciscovich, we will see you next week. Happy New Year.
0: What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here with Move the Sticks. Bucky, tell everybody what's coming up on this week's episode.
3: We're going to take a look at some of the contenders and see if we're confident or concerned as they head down the
0: stretch. Also, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. And finally, Coach Billet calls in. We discuss some of the coaches on the hot seat. A lot of ground to cover on this week's Move the Sticks. Check it out, NFL.com slash podcast or iTunes, or why not check out the video on YouTube.